Mary. I'll just be a few moments and then we'll begin our journey. Good morning. My name is Joseph, and I'm the earthly father of Jesus. Every now and then, if invited, I feel honored to share my testimony. Because it's a story of how sometimes God interrupts our plans for purposes that are much greater than we could ever have imagined. So I'm a carpenter by trade, which means I build things using my hands. You need a house built, anybody? I can build one. I'm adept at working in wood, but also in stone. So if you need a nice house built, I can definitely take care of that for you. Do you need a table built? Easy. I can definitely build a nice big table so that you could gather all your friends and your family around it. I can definitely build a nice table for you. So if I can build a nice house and I can build nice tables, you can imagine that, of course, I can definitely easily build stuff like these. Oh, yeah, stools, chairs, nice, sturdy, hearty ones. Anything you need, I can definitely build it for you. By the way, you can probably tell by looking at my hands that I've been doing this for a long, long time. My father kind of has a saying. He said, if you really want to learn a lot about a man, just look at his hands. Everything is revealed in the hands. Just look at the calluses. And if you just look at the scars in a man's hand, that tells you everything you need to know. Okay, but I imagine you didn't invite me to come here today to learn about my carpentry skills or to learn about my hands. I know why you came. You want to learn about how it happened, don't you? I know, I know. It's okay. That's what most people ask me about, so I will go ahead and tell you. It all started on this particularly beautiful sunny morning. I was at my workbench. I had just gotten a new commissioned project. I was making a really nice table for a nice family in the community. There I was, focused early in the morning, and that's when I saw her. She was walking quickly past my shop. Evidently, she was on some really important errand or duty, and just for a split second, our eyes met. Her beautiful skin in the morning sun. And I suppose I may have looked a little bit funny to her because I, I stopped working. I was just there, frozen in a steady gaze as I was looking at her. And I knew that I looked a little bit funny to her because out of the corner of her mouth, it slowly turned into an upward smile. Or perhaps that was just my overeager imagination. I'm not sure. But then she left. Now, we would never speak or anything like that. No, that would have been inappropriate. But through the years, as I would see her in the community, I got to know her just a little bit better. (laughs) I was particularly impressed with her character. I noticed that there didn't seem to be anybody quite like Mary. In fact, she would just go about her ordinary daily duties. She just seemed to carry herself with the presence of a queen or a princess. And yet she had the most humble character of anyone I've ever met. 
But I knew. I had a plan. I wanted to do something. I began to take on as many commissioned projects as I could. I began to save up my money. And once I had saved enough for a dowry, I decided to visit dad. That's right. I was going to ask for her hand in marriage. So I breathed. Some of you have had those conversations before. I took my dowry with me and I went to see Mary's father. And as I sat with him, I just tried to do my best to convince him that I was an honorable man. I told him, look, Mary and I, we will never be wealthy, but we will never be poor. I promise you that I will work really hard to take care of your daughter as long as I have breath within me. I promise you that I will never lay a hand upon her. I promise you that I will treat her like the queen and princess that she is. And then, of course, I slid over that dowry in his direction. Guess what? He gave his blessing. (laughs) I was going to marry Mary. Can you believe it? She seemed excited as well. A few weeks after that, I was back in my shop, of course, and Mary, as well as her father, they came by to give me a little announcement. They said that Mary was going to have to leave for three months to take care of Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, who had recently become pregnant. They said, okay, we'll be back in three months, and that was it, and they took off. I didn't really think too much about it. I just went back to my shop because I needed to prepare for our wedding. With each table that I fashioned and built and put together, I imagined our little family, the meals that would be had around that table. I imagined the laughter and the conversation and the giggles and the teasing of our little family. With every stool that I would make, I would imagine our kids jumping off of there and getting into trouble I just imagined the joy that was going to be shared was going to be ours as a little family as God put us together. So I anxiously counted down the days I wanted to see Mary. And then at about the time that they said they would return, all of a sudden I heard an odd commotion in the center of town. But it didn't sound like good news. So I quickly ran to the center of town, and there I see Mary in the distance, tears streaking down her face, and she runs directly into her father's house. I notice a little group of young women following fast behind her, and they're pointing, and they're jeering, and they are sneering at her. I didn't know what was going on, but this did not look good at all. So I quickly made my way over to see my future father-in-law and to see Mary. And I opened the door. And as soon as the sun shone upon her, I felt my life beginning to fall apart. Because she was there standing in the corner. Her clothes were a little baggier than normal, as if she was trying to seemingly hide something, as if she might be embarrassed. But all of a sudden, as she turned and the sun shone upon her, I could see that, yes, she was with child. 
I began to back away. And she came towards me as well as my future father-in-law. They said, wait, 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 wait. There's something I need to explain to you. This is not how it seems. I promise this is not how it seems, Joseph. But I had heard enough. I had seen enough. I had read that story before. I had heard that story. And I did not want to be a part of it. And I left to my house. How could she? How could she? Here I am in my shop preparing our little home. And she's over there with some guy. In every way that a man could be betrayed, she betrayed me. When talk about spiritual betrayal, yeah, she spiritually betrayed me. I mean, she, she gave, she, she acted as if she was so righteous. She acted as if she was so noble and carried herself with such dignity. Yeah, right, it was fake. She's a liar. Nothing righteous about her. She promised me that she would save herself for me physically. And I promised her that I would save myself for her physically. Lies, all lies, coming from Mary. She told me, Joseph, I'm going to give you my heart to you only. And I said, Mary, I'm going to save my heart for you. Emotional betrayal. And then a thought popped into my head. I had some rights that were afforded to me. She had cheated. Don't forget, she had cheated. And according to Mosaic law, I could gather the men of the city. And in front of her father's house, all of us men could go and we could stone her till she's breathing no more. And I imagine taking one of those stones and I imagine the scene in front of me. This was justice. I had the right It was in the law. This would have been just. And for a moment, I thought about the prenatal life inside of her. This is justice. But I choose mercy. I choose mercy. I choose mercy. I decided in that moment that I would bear the shame. I decided in that moment that I would put her away quietly. I made a promise to her father that I would never lay a hand on her, that I would never hurt her. I loved her. And promises are meant to be kept no matter what. So I just decided 
She's going to put her away quietly. I'm going to divorce her. I'm going to go on my way. She's going to go her way. And I never want to hear her name spoken of again. Have you ever wondered why sometimes God allows certain things to come into your life? I mean, here I was. I had lived as a righteous man, as righteously as I could, all my life. And now this? I didn't deserve this. There's no good reason for this. No. I'm just going to close that chapter and that story and walk away. So that night, what could I do? I went to sleep. But at some point in the early morning hours, I had a dream. And in my dream, an angel appeared before me, bright and glorious. And he said something that I'll never forget. In fact, I wrote down what the angel said. He said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And at first, I didn't fully understand the import in the words from the angel, but slowly in those early morning hours, all of a sudden, the weight of those words began to descend upon me. All of a sudden, I realized the implications of what God was saying through this angel. All of a sudden, I was realizing what I, how I was going to need to change. First of all, I was realizing that I was going to need to pray for a spirit of bravery to live with a tarnished reputation. Because notice what the angel said. He said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. In other words, you're going to need bravery. If you're going to be obedient to me, you're going to need some bravery in your life. He said, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. But now think about the challenge that was being presented to me. Mary came back. She was pregnant and people can do math. There was only a few options, wasn't there? They would think either I had gotten her pregnant before our wedding day, or they would think that she just went off and cheated on me. Both bad. Or worse. I mean, I suppose I could try the insanity defense, right? I could say, no, 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 to my family and friends. No, 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 no. Look, look, it's not as it looks. It's not my child. It's not really hers. God said this is of the Holy Spirit. Do you understand? And I could imagine their vacant and distant looks. I don't think they would understand. And I was realizing that if I was going to be obedient to the revelation of God, I was need to gonna have, I was gonna need to pray for bravery to live with a tarnished reputation, possibly for the rest of my life. And as I thought about the implications of that, I began to think about Joseph. Sold as a slave, picked up by Potiphar, 
rose through the ranks because he was diligent and obedient and he had the blessing of God upon him. And all of a sudden, as he was the chief steward of the house of Potiphar, it was that Potiphar's wife began to try to draw him into temptation on the daily. And all of a sudden, one day, as she tried to put her hands on him, he ran and fled from the temptation. And some of you have heard the rest of the story. Tarnished reputation. He had two options. Do I remain obedient to God and live with a tarnished reputation? Or do I seemingly have a good reputation amongst men, but do not have the favor and without obeying God? He chose, I'm going to obey God. I don't care what kind of reputation, what people think about me out there. Come what may, no matter what happens in my life, I want to obey God. But then the words of the angel continued to strike me. Because I realized that I also needed to pray for a spirit of humility. To admit and confess that God is the leader and that I'm not the leader. Notice the words of the angel, what he said. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now think about this with me for a moment. Who has the authority to name a child? Yes, the parents. The parents are the ones that have the absolute right ethically, morally. They have the absolute right to name their child. And all of a sudden, the angel is saying, wait a second, Joseph, you thought you were going to name the child. No, 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 no. Someone greater than you has already given the name for the child. In fact, his heavenly father has named him. And his name will be Jesus. So I needed to wrestle with that challenging idea that I was not going to be the leader of this child. I was going to be a, an earthly father, a steward, but no, in so many different ways, he was going to be my leader. And as I wrestled with that reality, I thought about the example of Moses in the desert for 40 years. Think about it. I mean, do you imagine that maybe I would think after the second decade or perhaps after the third decade that Moses would say, you know what, God, I think I got this. I'm seeing your strategy, your methodology here in the desert. We're just kind of zigzagging. And in the 40th year, we're supposed to meet there at Canaan, right? Okay, God, how about I just give us a little shortcut and I just lead us myself, just lead us to Canaan. How about that? Did he do that? No, of course not. Do you remember how Moses behaved? Do you, do you remember what he would do? He would just watch. He would just watch for the cloud, the pillar of fire by night. And as soon as the cloud began to lift, he would say, everybody, to this congregation of a million plus people, men and women, boys and girls, God, our leader, has spoken and we must go. Let's pick up camp. And they would walk until the cloud stopped or the pillar of fire stopped. And they would say, ladies and gentlemen, our true leader has spoken. So we will now stop. By the way, the scriptures record that Moses was the most humble man that walked the face of the earth. 
And I began to wrestle with that reality that I needed to pray for humility to acknowledge and realize that God is actually the true leader, not I. Notice the last thing that the angel said that impacted me there. You should call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. I mean, all this time, so many of my family, so many of my friends, so many of the people in my community, we assumed, we thought that when the Messiah is to come, that he would finally liberate us from our Roman oppressors. We thought that the purpose of Messiah was to break those chains of bondage and to set up a new Davidic kingdom of sorts. And finally, a, an unprecedented time of peace and prosperity would be ushered in. That's what we were all looking for. That's what we were all wanting. And here the angel giving me a paradigm-shifting moment in my life. I said, no, you're going to name him Jesus. And his primary purpose, Joseph, don't miss this, is to save his people from their sins. So all of a sudden, I was needing to confront the reality that as righteous as I thought I was, as righteously as I thought I had lived, I needed to acknowledge and have a willingness to acknowledge that I was a sinner. And that my yet unborn child, he was going to save me So I needed to make a decision right there and then. And so there as the sun was beginning to rise, now in that early morning, I knew what I must do. I said, God, I dedicate my life to you. God, I'm now seeing that you are calling me to have a sense of bravery to live with a tarnished reputation. I'm seeing that you're calling me to have a a sense of humility, to acknowledge that you're the leader. God, I see that you're acknowledging that that I need to pray for a willingness to believe that I am a sinner and that you are the forgiver. I accept that today. No matter what happens in my life, I accept it. Amen. So I woke up. I rose up in that new day. And in just a little while that morning, I was going to make a visit back to see Papa. And I was going to tell them, that an angel spoke to me too. And then I'm going to commit for the rest of my life to take care of your girl. Mary, we're going to do this together. And no matter what anybody says about us, I will not leave your side. I'll be willing to live with a tarnished reputation. doesn't matter what people say. You know, life is kind of funny sometimes, isn't it? You're going about your ordinary business. You're building your families. You're going to school. You're just doing life. 
And then all of a sudden, God interrupts your life for purposes that you would never have imagined possible. But here's the question that I simply want to ask you today. Because I believe there's some of you here today that are saying, something has happened in my life and I have no idea why. I don't see how there could be any kind of purpose at it at all. I don't know why God would allow something like this to happen in my life, and that's fair. But here's how I want to challenge you before I leave today. I want to challenge you in this. I believe that God is calling some of you to pray for and to receive a spirit of bravery to be willing to live with a tarnished reputation. Some of you are spending time in the scriptures and you are seeing and you're hearing from God and God is telling you, actually, I need you to do this and not that. And you're wrestling with the implications of that decision. I am praying for you. And God is telling you that you need to pray for a spirit of bravery. Other people might not understand, and that's okay. I'd rather have the the affirmation of God than the applause of man. Others of you are needing to pray for a spirit of humility in your life. Some of you need to acknowledge that you are not the leader. God is the leader. And the more time you spend in the scriptures, believe you me, I promise you, the more time you spend in the scriptures, God will reveal himself more and more to you. And the more you you take a tiny step in his direction, you say, okay, God, I'm here now. Where else would you have me go? He'll reveal just one more step to you. And you say, okay, God, I'm, I'm at this next step. Where do you want me to go now? And he'll reveal just one more step to you. That's how it always works. And as you take one step in obedience, God all of a sudden says, okay, this is a man, this is a woman, this is a boy, this is a girl that I can trust with more. I need to expand her territory. I need to expand his territory. I need to give them more responsibility for my kingdom. But some of you need to pray for a spirit of humility to acknowledge that you're not the leader, that God is the leader. And today, maybe there's someone here Maybe you've been living a life of sin. And today, you need to acknowledge. Today, perhaps you want to acknowledge. You know what? I'm a sinner, but God, I'm grateful that you are a forgiver. I'm grateful that when we come to you, you can make our sins as white as snow in the same way that you did for King David. So before I go... Is there anybody here today, by raising your hand, that you just want to say, God, I want to make one of those decisions today. Just raise your hand wherever you are. Say, God, I need you to give me a spirit of bravery. I need you to give me a spirit of humility. Any one of these decisions, just raise your hand. God bless you. I'm going to have to go now. Caesar has issued an edict. All the families need to return to their places of their birth to be checked in there. For the census, but before I go, could I just pray for you? Let's bow our heads. Oh God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you have been teaching me through this experience 
that sometimes you interrupt, interrupt our plans for purposes that are much greater than we ever could have imagined. And for me in my life, you interrupted my plans. In fact, for universal implications so that all people could be saved through this child that is to be born. I pray that you would bless and be with every single person within the sound of my voice. You know the decision that they are making right now within their hearts. You know the confession that they're lifting up to you even now. I just ask that your holy, healing, guiding hand would be upon them. For we thank you in your name. Amen.